This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Can work be fun? Can things game designers have learned about what makes games effective be used to engage customers in a variety of industries? Wharton Legal Studies and Business Ethics Professor Kevin Warbach and New York Law School Professor Dan Hunter, authors of For the Win, How Game Thinking Can Revolutionize Your Business, say yes. Knowledge at Wharton spoke with Warbach and Hunter about what gamification really is, how companies are using it, and pitfalls to avoid when gamifying. I'd love to talk to you about your book, which is titled For the Win. Uh, where does the title come from? For the win is a, a gamer term uh, that, that people, it's, it's usually abbreviated FTW. It's, it's something in games people will say, some great thing for the win. It was originally something you had to do to get over the top to win a, an epic kind of battle. And it's become just sort of a commonplace expression, just anything you want to do that gives you a real achievement. Um, and so we thought it, it echoed um, some of these expressions in games, but also was very indicative of what we're talking about, this concept of gamification or game thinking as something that can actually, for businesses, provide uh, epic wins as well. Well, it's very interesting because though the book is about gamification, uh, the starting point to your book is actually the fact that so many employees and customers are so utterly disengaged today. Uh, um, and, and, and business just isn't as much fun as it could be. Uh, what do you think are some of the reasons for that? I'll take that one. I mean, we've sort of assumed that the way that we motivate people is through rewards or punishments, right? And we do that within businesses. We do that sort of within uh, the consumer side. Um, there are lots of ways of motivating people, and we need to find new ways of motivating people. Really, at the core of it, this book is about finding ways to do that by relying upon some pretty well-tested approaches to, to game design and, and what makes things fun. So what we're really trying to do is is to put fun back into all of these kinds of areas. We've gotten really good in business at squeezing out operational efficiencies and we have all this technology, we're in a globalized world. The, the baseline has been raised to the point where just doing those things, just being efficient, isn't a differentiator. And you think, what's a differentiator? It's human beings. It's engagement, enthusiasm. And games, we found, are the key to understanding some of the techniques, as, as Dan said, to motivating people in, in powerful and differentiating ways. So before we go too far, what exactly is a game? And what is gamification? Wow. You want to handle that one? <laughs> <laughs> so both of those, uh, I'll, I'll take a start, then maybe yeah. you can say something. Both of those are deeper concepts than you might think. In fact, th there are large, dense works of philosophy that have been written on what is a game. Um, basically, a game is something that has some rules, some objective, uh, and uh, involves an, an attitude by players, that players care about the outcome of the game. So it includes everything you might think of as a game, including board games, card games, sports, video games, uh, but also other kinds of experiences that feel game-like, where there's a set of constraints and you care about somehow overcoming those constraints. So work can be a game, school can be a game, lots of things can be game-like. And gamification is taking what we understand about games. It turns out games have been around for tens of thousands of years. Video games uh, now are a 40-year-old industry that generates roughly $70 billion a year worldwide. And game designers have gotten really good at understanding what makes those games work. 
um, learning from those things, taking those insights from what makes games effective, what makes people care about the outcomes, and then translating them into business contexts. So how can applying lessons from uh, a, a game approach or, uh, or introducing game elements, how can that revolutionize a business, which is a point that you make early on in your book? Yeah, well, I mean, starting off from Kevin's point, we can't squeeze out any more operational efficiency gains from this. So so basically, it's looking at the business in a completely different way and saying, okay, so, so what are the objectives that we have in relation to this business and in relation to these business processes, right? And then how can we take these, these time-honored and, and now very well understood approaches to game design right and and apply that to these particular arenas so you know pick any given kind of business objective you want to increase engagement you know of, of your customers in relation to say your website or something like that okay so you actually then rather than saying okay we're going to you know pay for them to come or we're going to you know have prizes or those sorts of things we're actually going to, we're going to approach this as a, as a design problem and say all right what's going to motivate them you know what sort of playful features do people like right understanding your users you know and and saying, okay, this particular sort of person would like this, this particular sort of person would like that, and introducing those game elements into the, the overall design of, of the process. Now, one of the things I really loved about your book is that you, one of the things you say is uh, that at its core, gamification is about finding the fun in the things that you have to do. Uh, could you uh, give some examples of how companies like Microsoft and Deloitte have been using this approach? Sure. So those are two examples we give in the book. Um, the Microsoft one uh, is a project that came out of the test group. They're the people who do the, the testing of things like Windows and Microsoft Office. And one of the problems we talked about was that uh, when they were releasing Windows 7, Microsoft releases it in, in dozens of dozens of different countries and languages, and they have to make sure the dialog boxes work well in every one of those languages. And even Microsoft uh, would have a challenge hiring companies that have native speakers in all of those languages to go and sit and look at those dialog boxes. But it's really important. You don't want something to be offensive or incorrect that would, that would hurt the usability of the applications. Um, so what they realized was that they could make a game-like experience. They created a competition for teams of their employees, their sales offices in these different countries, to go and find errors in the localized dialogue boxes. And there was no reward. Uh, there was just the, the thrill of uh, finding the most problems, being good corporate citizens, and being the most successful office on the leaderboard they set up. Just doing that, they got uh, their employees to review half a million dialogue boxes and found hundreds and hundreds of bugs, errors in the localization that hadn't been caught in the original translation. So that's an example of taking something that's very mundane, very boring. No, no one would say that reading dialogue boxes is inherently fun or great, it, but it's something that they had to do for a real legitimate business purpose. Um, and that was what we call an internal gamification example, using it inside the enterprise as opposed to outside for customers. The Deloitte one you mentioned was about uh, knowledge management, about getting their consultants to describe what they're working on and what they know about, which is an incredibly important task for lots of organizations, especially professional services organizations, by creating a little bit of competition and a little bit of fun through an internal application, they got much greater participation in that information sharing. And in the book, we go through examples in all sorts of areas. Gamification is not just something for 
teeny little startups or for youth-oriented, sexy kinds of companies. It's something that applies across the board. You distinguish in the book between internal and external gamification. Uh, how, how is external gamification different? Well, I mean, it's, it still uses the same principles, but basically you're, you're focused on, on issues outside of the company. So, you know, the internal one are things like HR or the examples that, that Kevin gave in relation to Microsoft and Deloitte. External, you know, typically the marketing kinds of arenas. So, so we're thinking about things like Salesforce at the really high end. Um, and at the, at the lower end, you have other sorts of examples like um, Club Psych, uh, which, was a, which was a website that was gamified for, for USA Networks. Um, and, and those ones are really about trying to improve the, the user and customer experience, um, trying to, to drive revenue and those sorts of things outside of the enterprise. So it's really just a useful distinction between the, the different sort of elements or the different sort of approaches that you face inside the enterprise and outside the enterprise. What does it mean to think like a game designer? Mm -hmm. And how do, can companies uh, use that kind of thinking to mm -hmm. do some of the things that you're describing? Yeah, so this ties into a point that Dan made earlier, which is really critical. We look at gamification as a design challenge. Um, so it's part of design more broadly. And there, there have been other uh, authors and scholars and practitioners who've written about design thinking. And, and this, in some way, is a special case of that broad approach. But it's a special case that's important. Uh, game design is its own discipline. Uh, major video games cost tens of millions of dollars and bring in, in some cases, billions of dollars of revenue. So it's a, a fairly sophisticated and well-developed discipline. Thinking like a game designer means attacking problems through the lens of creating an experience for players. And the primary challenges of a game designer are, one, get people playing, and two, keep them playing. And if you start to think about your business's challenges that way, you think about your participants as players. They are voluntarily participating in something because they want to, because they get value and enjoyment and fulfillment out of it, and find ways to get them in. And then once they're in, find ways to keep them interested, to create a, a player journey, if you will, that remains valuable as they get to higher levels of the experience. You start to create a kind of environment that is inherently engaging. And in the book, we go through lots of specific frameworks and concepts. That, that there's a lot more detail than that. But that's the basic approach, to, to think about what you're doing as creating an experience for uh, a group of players that they find valuable. I mean, if I can just jump in there. Sure. The, the reason that we, we sat down to write this book um, was that we looked at, at the other sorts of approaches that were out there. And, and basically, everyone was saying, oh, look, gamification is this huge, interesting, fascinating, incredibly important thing that you should do. And the way you do it is just, just slap badges on this or put points on anything, right? And, and those, those, those approaches fail, right? I mean, and, and we'd seen them fail. And we were sort of looking at it and saying, well, why do they fail? Um, and, and we sort of sat back and said, OK, so if you approach this in the way of a game designer and try to understand you know, what it is that the players want and that actually go through this entire process that we outline in the book, then you can actually build an experience that's engaging um, and that people will keep coming back to because it's fun and at the same time drive revenue or do all of the sorts of things that you need for your business process. Um, we, we found that there was really just nothing out there that was a sort of a guideline along those uh, along that those sort of lines. So so that was really the motivation for the book to sort of think as as a game designer without being a game designer. You know, we absolutely don't want people to be a game designer at the end of this. We're simply saying, look, if you approach it this way, you'll actually generate these these really useful, compelling experiences for your users. So let's say there's an executive who's facing a business problem. How does she or he know whether gamification 
is the right solution for that problem. Buy the book first, yes. right? <laughs> uh, and, yeah, and, and it's very engaging and well-written. And um, uh, but, but no, I mean, what they, they need to do is sort of try to work out what is the actual process that they're, they're looking to gamify? What's the objective out of all of this? You know, what do they need to do, right? And then they go through the steps in the book and they'll actually have within a very short space of time a kind of an idea about um, what it is that gamification can give them at the end of this, in this, this experience. I mean, not every, not every business objective, you know, can be, can be gamified. There are, there are lots of ones that are just not going to work because your, your you know, customers or your players are not going to be engaged, they're not going to be interested in it, um, or that there's a mismatch, right? You know, that the, the nature of the activity um, is so serious that, that, you know, introducing game elements is going to make the, the, the player or the user think, hang on, what's this? It doesn't make any sense. Um, so you have to think carefully about, about that, and, and that's really what the book's about. Yeah, there's a matrix in the book, which is a little too detailed to get into here, but the starting point is motivation. So if you're a business manager, you say, let's say I could wave a magic wand and get this population, whether they're my customers, potential customers, employees, this group, to be more motivated. Would that really drive a business benefit in some metric I care about in my business? And there's sometimes where it wouldn't, either because it's something that shouldn't be made fun or it's something where motivation would get people to be more excited but wouldn't drive purchases or efficiency or anything you care about. Um, that's the starting point. Is this something where if I can successfully build something that motivates, uh, it would be a real and lasting benefit to my business. And then once you answer that question, then you, you think about how to design using some of the steps that Dan talked about to ensure that the system you're building would in fact produce those motivational benefits. Well, the, the section on motivation is one of the ones that I found really fascinating in your book. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that you distinguish there is what you call intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation. Could you explain for our audience how the two are different and how they can uh, you know, motivate people differently? Uh, to alter their behavior? I could go first, although, I mean, Dan, Dan did uh, some of his PhD work in um, psychology and, and artificial intelligence. So part of uh, the reason that we, we felt that we were well-situated to put this book together was that we had an understanding of the different pieces. The game design is one piece, the psychology is another piece, the business aspects are another piece. Um, intrinsic and extrinsic motivations are well-established terms in the literature on the psychology of motivation, primarily from a, a set of theories called self-determination theory, which was developed by uh, Ed Desi and Richard Ryan at the University of Rochester. It's a very well-established uh, theory about what motivates people backed by dozens and dozens of empirical studies. And the basic idea is you can be motivated by something external to you, something outside of yourself. It's not something that you inherently want to do, but you do it because you get paid, you do it because you care about what other people think, you want, you want status from other people, you do it because you need to finish this unit in order to get to something else you care about, to get a promotion in your job, whatever else. Extrinsic motivation. Intrinsic motivation is if none of that were there, you would still do it. You want to do it for its own sake. And uh, the lesson from self-determination theory, there, there are many lessons, but one of the key ones is that extrinsic motivation works, but it's dangerous. That if you take topics and, and areas that are inherently interesting to people and substitute external rewards, they can actually um, crowd out, as it's called, the intrinsic motivation. And um, that's a danger in any context. It's a real danger in gamification. Because as Dan said, people tend to think about gamification as just these shiny rewards. Well, just give people these points and badges and so forth. 
And that can work. That's why frequent flyer programs work. It's why compensation systems work in business and so forth. And that's part of gamification. Um, but you need to understand the limits of it and not create a system where those things make it so that people feel sort of subconsciously, this isn't something fun. This isn't something I'd want to do. I'll just do it as long as you give me stuff and pay me. Um, what you want is a system that gets to the point where people feel like in a great game, this is fun. I want to do this. I feel validated in this experience, and, and it's something that, that potentially gives me that, that sense of a win. And there's also, I mean, if you think about intrinsic motivation about uh, within business, you know, and, and all of the sort of recent management theories, which take your pick, right, about how to get people to do things, how to make a better workplace, how to ensure, you know, that for, for better profits, better ROI, whatever it happens to be, these, the, the sort of the recent trends have been towards intrinsic motivation, right, rather than sort of assuming that the way that we're going to do this is, is to, you know, try to squeeze more out of, out of the individuals. It, it's really about sort of trying to understand them, what they're doing say within you know within an HR context as one example um, and so so the sort of the chapter on on intrinsic and extrinsic motivation is really trying to get um, the the manager to think about what it is that, that that people want right and then how can we build systems in these case game you know game like systems that actually will be compelling and interesting and and be the sort of environment where people will look up and say wow I just wasted an hour um, <laughs> I, I, you know and and yeah. I was working you know and that's yeah. and that's really where, where we, we were trying to get to at the end of the end of the book. You also offer uh, companies a toolkit mm -hmm. that they can use if they are interested in uh, gamification. Could you tell us about some of those tools that companies can use? Um, so the so the toolkit. I mean, are you talking about each of the different game elements that that you, that you can sort of um, build into these systems? Well, well, what we you know we, we put that actually sort of in the middle of the book rather than at the beginning of the book um, because what we wanted to do is to to make it clear that the toolkit doesn't make any sense unless you understand the overall process, right? So so by about halfway through, you're at the stage you know, and it's not you know halfway through is what 40 or 50 pages into the book, um, is you've got the sort of the point at which you can say, okay, here are the sorts of elements that we might be able able to use in this particular environment. And, and those elements are, are, are pretty pretty obvious if you think of it in game terms. I mean, think of any game or sport that you've played. I mean, there's elements like, like teamwork and cooperation. There are elements like maybe scoring. There are elements like, you know, success states. There are sort of like these big challenges that, you know, might be this final push, you know, a sort of like a full court press in, in basketball terms, you know, which, which, you know, in video game terms would be a boss fight or something like that, right? So there's, so there's all of these, these sort of um, aspects which can get built into um, any gamified process. And, and so what we, we provide is kind of like this, this definition and these steps to understand how these things fit together in, in a framework and, and a hierarchy so that the, the manager can, can go about building systems that actually use those features. You also recommend six steps that companies can take to build uh, effective gamification programs. Could you take us through some of them? Only go through four, can I? So they have to buy the book, right? Yeah, that's Maybe right. Three, that's, that, that's right. Well, there'll be a bonus step that okay, they'll, they'll get. Uh, right. If you buy the book while you're watching this video, then you'll get another one. You get a seven step. So right. we call them the six Ds. Um, and they are um, six element of, of gamification design. Um, now, design is not a linear process. And, and we talk about this in the context of design thinking and, and game thinking. Um, it's iterative. You go through and go back. You have to play test and so forth. Um, but these are steps that are essential to, to think about, to make sure that you don't ignore. Um, and it starts with um, defining objectives, which is what Dan talked about earlier. What is my goal here? Um, because your goal is probably not 
to get people to earn points or to get people to show up at your website. That, that might be a, a, an intermediate goal, um, but, but your goal is maybe to get more conversions to people to be customers or to get your, your customers to be engaged more. Um, wh whatever it is, you as a manager know what your business goal is. Then you break that down into specific behaviors. What are the activities you want people to do in the gamified system? Um, and then you drill down on your players. Who, who are these people? What do you know about them? How do you model them? Think about um, their methods of engagement and so forth. Um, so that, that gets you down to the specifics. Um, and then from there, you can go on to the further steps and uh, model the, the specific uh, activities, what we call uh, activity cycles within your gamified system, the specific uh, tools that you employ, the game elements that Dan talked about, um, and um, the, the critical one uh, the, is the next to last one, which is don't forget the fun. Um, because what we found, Dan and I taught uh, the first gamification course, as far as we know, the first one ever offered um, at the Wharton School last year, and we're teaching it again this year. Um, what we found was that it's so easy to lose the forest for the trees. Um, you start to go down this design process and you have to constantly pull yourself back up and say, would someone want to do that? Um, and, because that's a critical question and that's the essential question. Now, you can't just do that. You can't just say, gee, this looks like fun and we're done. You need to be systematic and thoughtful and model and do analytics and so forth. Um, but you need to keep bouncing back between those things and a sense of the experience, a sense that this is something people would want to do. So the six Ds are, are basically a, a structured framework to ensure you look at all of those aspects and the things that people generally start with in gamification, again, going back to the point Dan made earlier, um, just you know, spilling out the blocks, as it were, and sticking them together, that's all near the end. Um, because if you do that without a really good sense of your objectives and who your players are, you're going to fail, uh, or you're going to succeed for a little while and then fail, which in some ways may be even worse. And, and you won't know why you failed, right? Exactly. It looked like it was great, but then yeah. it really wasn't. What are some of the big risks and dangers of gamification, and how, how do you think companies should avoid them? Yeah, um, I mean, there, is, there, are, there are a combination of them. There, sort of, there are some legal risks, um, there are some ethical risks, um, and there are some risks which are really mostly in the nature of um, just bad gamification design, right? So, so the legal risks, you know, are not are not that serious, but but there are ones that you have to you know look out for. Things like um, you know sweepstakes rules or competition rules that you might have in your particular state or jurisdiction. Um, there are some some ethical risks that can can occur um, that we we kind of outline in the book. Um, those examples are where where people are compelled to play your game. Um, then it can end up being something which, which is really sort of bad business practice, really sort of unethical behavior, or behavior that's going to end up subjecting you to, to sort of some, some problems, whether it's you know, PR or some, some issues with, with the, the workforce. Um, so you know, an example of that is, is, is using leaderboards um, to try to speed up people's workflow, right? And, and showing that, you know, that, that Dan is really great at this, but Kevin is really bad. And so that will not only demotivate Kevin, um, but it, you know, it has some, some real ethical concerns. And so you can't just apply that in, in the normal way. Um, uh, you know, in the sense of sort of like there's no problem here. Um, and then the final sort of category are some, some risks in relation to just bad gamification design where um, you end up more than anything else just, just wasting money. You know, it's just, it's just going to fail as a, as a process and, and so why would you start it? And so those are the, the risks we outline at the end of the book. So for each of you, do you have any final words of advice for companies that are eager to use gamification to motivate their employees and engage their customers? 
One of the interesting things that, that we found as we started to research the book was we started to come upon all of these examples that were already out there that companies weren't necessarily thinking about gamification. Um, or there were things that people would look at and say were gamification, like, for example, frequent flyer and loyalty programs. Uh, that turned out to either not really be gamification or be just bad gamification because they don't have that focus on game design and fun and engagement. Um, so it turns out that just as if you go into a room of business executives or professionals and say, who's a gamer? About you know, one in 10 or one in 20 people will raise their hand. Uh, and then you start to ask, all right, well, how many of you play Angry Birds or Farmville or one of these games that have now literally billions of players around the world? Well, more hands go up. How many of you play golf? chess, checkers, bridge, poker, uh, we're all gamers. Uh, and so uh, businesses need to realize that this is not just about how to uh, placate the kids that want to be you know, shooting and killing dragons all the time instead of doing their job. Um, this is about uh, taking some very old, very established insights, psychology and design and so forth, um, and applying them in new ways given the new capabilities of technology. We now have a concept, we have a word for it, and we have these extraordinary capabilities of digital platforms and analytic systems to manage and implement gamification. So I would urge companies to, to, to have that kind of broad view because it turns out that most of them, the ones we talk to, when they start to look around, they realize they're already doing this, they're just not doing it thoughtfully and systematically. Um, the, the advice that I would have is, is that I think that the games are the future of many businesses, right? Every manager needs to understand the gameful thinking. Um, but the main piece of advice would be buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you so much. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.